0: People are fascinating, especially up close. More especially when you get them talking about the things that they love. This is From the Hip, conversations in the service of passion, purpose, and play. I'm Adrienne Gunn. You ready to play? Okay. The theory is that we are live. Hello. I'm excited. I'm Adrienne Gunn, and I'm here with... Naima Lightseed. Yay! So Naima and I... Met a while ago, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know if I told you this, but you are the first guest for this new format that we're doing for From the Hip, where we're streaming both to Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. Does it
1: feel like that's happening? Does it feel like that's happening? For you? I feel like we're having a conversation in a room. So I'm yeah, excited right. to watch the yeah. replay later. But. Yeah, that's
0: super. Like dropped into bodies of in the momentness. Yeah, but also our bodies. Apparently, like the visual representation of our bodies are being sent out into ether webs into other places.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> that is that is where we are in life, and that's how it works. You know what's funny? It reminds me of astral projecting but made digit like real, digital.
1: There's a digital version of ourselves that is now projected into potentially three or 3,000 homes.
0: Right, three or 3,000. Is that your reference for how many people you have in your audience? <laughs> is,
1: it, is it like 30,000?
0: Well, I- Three million? I often just, so that I can like, keep the stakes for myself when I perform, uh-huh. Or do videos i'm like at least i have an audience of three that oh. i just sort of like I, I picture three people that just love me and they, they'll watch anything i do and mm-hmm. they're really excited for me yeah. and then have the hopes that more than that but i'm just i'm here for those three people mm. i just it was funny that you said three or three thousand.
1: Three is a magic number oh, oh. ginger
0: yes <laughs> so we <laughs> i've been saying we're saying hi to a cat yeah i've been saying <laughs> different Wait, same show, different cat. In our first episodes, we filmed in, in CJ's high-rise apartment. And his kitty, Bentley, was highly featured in, like, the first, I think, 10 or so episodes. Mm. Like a weaned-too-early cat that would just, like, nibble on people. So right now, one of the exciting things, in addition to streaming live in two places, is we may or may not uh, have the pleasure of Ginger, my my cat, joining us or making noises or we'll see. Yeah. We're just giving it a shot.
1: Well don't you just give us our blessing? That might be enough. And now nope. they're so. they're smelling my cat on my
0: sweater. Right. She <laughs> she does like other people's clothing and things. So that'll be fun. So I'm excited that you're here. Oh that's scratching. That's not that's not a sound I like. Please don't do that. <laughs> okay. Welcome so, to real life folks. <laughs> yes we we're just here. So we met at a networking event. Yeah. And what I remember about the moment was, so we were friends with a woman, Dil Ward, who runs a, an organization, Women with Moxie. And we were there, and Dill likes to say, as you're leaving, you think you're ready and you're done networking, just meet one more person. And you were my one more person. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was trying to figure out who to, to invite to a show that I was putting on called Courting the Muse. Mm. And so you were my one more person and my surprise guest. Hey, would you like to be in this show I do? Because
1: you apparently are a poet. I am a poet.
0: Yeah. Should
1: I share a poem? Oh, I would love that. Okay. I would love okay, that you great. start. Okay. Um, so this is a teacher and I, I write and perform poetry. I also teach it sometimes. And... I've broken it down into a workshop is like trying to express and share the process that I go through when I write poetry. But really, the poem itself conveys it so much better than a thousand words ever could. Hey. When the time arises, I shall teach about writing poetry. But when I bother to weave the words to convey that art, it will not be through the conventions of form alone. Any fool can pick up an old tome and learn the tools that allow this language to roll off the tongue, alliteration and metaphor, rhythm and rhyme. It may be dying devices, but enough people know of their power to keep them out of the grave. When I strive to leave a legacy of fisher people, not just those who have been given fish, it will be by imploring them to see, to see everything to study the marrow of life, the way a scientist looks at cells. I will urge them to feel, to feel everything, to have their hearts broken and let the heart dust like the sparkling debris of exploded stars be kneaded by the great baker into the bread they will use to feed their readers. I will have my little poetlings pack up their most treasured belongings travel to a place where they do not speak the language and listen to all the ways that people convey love in words they do not understand i will let them know that they are not in charge of their gifts they cannot demand that words come though they can pray i will tell them they may find themselves on their knees calling for the muse to leave them alone or return in season. Mm. Maybe, maybe I won't tell them that last part. Scratch that from the record. Uh, (laughs) The madness of passion is a cost best discovered in one's own time. (laughs) But I will tell them, I will tell them that the true pain of the poet is not the receiving of visions beyond one's capacity to communicate, the immensity of being sensitive beyond comprehension or safety, the urge we feel all the time to make beauty of what we experience. No, the, the hardest part is that we will always fail. (laughs) We always fail because our medium is imperfect. This is a losing battle. Poets are oars people scooping water out of a leaking vessel using wooden sevs, determined to reach a shore we cannot yet see as our ships sink beneath us. Oars people are hunters, or (laughs) oars people, poets. Poets are hunters tracking a prey we can never catch. The true madness of the poet, of any artist, is knowing we can never convey all that we feel. We can never quite get it right in this language made for conquering and counting sheep, for giving orders and maintaining war. So I will tell poets in training to run wildly in any direction as long as it takes them away from convention, pretension, competition, to wipe the projections off their eyes and the armor off their hearts, to follow beauty to its lair. I will hold them still to watch a single floating leaf. This is after we've gone outside for a walk in a fine pair of walking shoes. This is next to a smooth pen, a poet's best friend. Gone for a walk in early November. Noticing the warmth on their cheeks from the sun in an otherwise cool day and I will hold them still to watch a single golden leaf make its final spinning wind dance from branch to earth. And I will say that. That leaf floating there, writing poetry, making any true art is like that. You must let the winds have their way with you. You must know your task is impossible and it will take your life as much as it gives you purpose. All you can do is your best to feed that which feeds you Work with the materials you have, and enjoy the dance as you free fall. Well, that's
0: our show, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: yeah, we covered it all. You're now mm-hmm. all poets.
0: Yes, congratulations! Oh my God, I love it. Mm,
1: thank
0: you. I when you were when you were when you were youing so beautifully. <laughs>
1: I do like to me. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> I was thinking about... It's been a long, long while since I could considered myself a poet. Mm. I became obsessed with language and words somewhere around 13, 14. And that idea of people trying to like gather water with only tiny spoons, trying to capture moments, like living a life and being enamored with or confused by or wanting to like capture the essence of emotions or, or, or moments mm-hmm. with, with language and even our language in particular, this, this English language, I don't know if you write in other languages. Mm-hmm. It's not the most uh, expressive of the languages. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, for- as I said in the poem, I'm like, it's the product of colonization. So we're, when I, sometimes when I teach about language, I use the metaphor that we are trying to repair a broken plate and all we have is a hammer. and that's where that's probably part of why I'm a poet is where um, the uh, the art of it is using something that can never quite get it because it wasn't it's not like sanskrit or quechua or ancient chinese these languages that were understood as direct emanations from spirit channeled by mystics into sounds oh really yeah that was that's what i was taught anyway is like they would meditate and like open their eyes and see a dog and the the sound that was the word for dog would appear in their consciousness Mm -hmm. it's like an example that i got so it's like those their five like ancient languages our uh, spirit embodied in, in a frequency that's a little bit closer to the source. Sure. And then by the time we get to like English, the Latin languages, it's so diluted because of years of colonization and just the, all the war and all the, right. the distancing from that kind of original wild nature that we have.
0: Sure, and it's uh, distance from the land where <laughs> yeah. the, the sounds or the vibrations might've been picked up to create the language <laughs> because it's taken, you know, thousands of miles somewhere else. Yeah.
1: I love learning this about Aboriginal people. I'm not sure if it's in Australia or another place, but it's definitely an Indigenous people where they sing the land and that's their maps. Huh. So if they need to tell someone how to get somewhere, they have a song that is the equivalent of like, three trees later you turn left at the river. <laughs> like that kind that's of, awesome. But that's like, that's both their map and their praise yeah. of the place. I
0: remember... Someone I'm I'm gonna hopefully get to to chat with Matt and Meehan. I don't know if you've bumped in is he songwriter? To him, songwriter. Yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. He's wonderful. He's
0: beloved here. Yeah, and he does a a, a group of teaching songwriting as truth telling. Mm-hmm. He told a story once. He discovered that before we had spoken language, we sang, mm-hmm. and that they've discovered that even lullabies and different have the same the same sort of lyric, like, melodic structure, mm. culture to culture. They tend to have the same, wow. This like, potentially DNA mm. is stored this, like, soothing song
1: mm. for babies. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Makes so much sense. No, I, I love Matt. We both teach at the Soiree Retreat, the Songwriter oh. Soiree Retreats. So I've gotten to meet him. Yeah, he's great.
0: That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I had no idea that you would be able to do, so... Recording the Muse was this idea I had when I was, so I was more musician performer for a long time. And then I learned all of these tools to help people shift their lives. So I turned more into sort of like life coach, life alterer, catalyst person. And I was trying to figure out how do I now merge these worlds where I want to explore and talk about what it's like to live uh, fully expressed and live a great life. And also I'm surrounded by all these musicians because I've been building those relationships. Mm. So you created this idea to have a show where you have artists and people in different walks of life talking about what it is to be creative mm. and to invite the muse into their lives. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'm inviting a poet. And then what you brought to that particular <laughs> show, which is, you're like, I, I've been playing around with this idea can I just bring something? And you brought a vocalist mm-hmm. to vocalize and musicalize as you were poeting? Mm-hmm. I like to verb things. It's great. Yeah. It was freaking magical. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i not sure who else was part of that night, but mm-hmm. but I just put this thing together and just people would just show up and you magically showed up mm-hmm. and created that. What kinds of things are you drawn to? Like, how did you, you know, like, I'm going to have this idea. How did you know yeah. to say yes to?
1: Well, I, I love I love collaboration. Yeah. Um, And so, and, and poetry is my, it's like, we were, we were talking earlier about the, like, the language being something, like, how do we use this imperfect language? And, like, poetry is my, it's my mental health care. It's my yeah. offering back to life and gratitude for the gifts that I get to receive. It's my teaching. It's, like, all of this, you know, combined into one. And it's also been a vehicle for collaboration. And mm-hmm. I, I keep getting kind of signs and guidance from the universe that that's really the the place for me to reach more people with my art and like have another level than I can just do with me and my muse although I have a really good relationship with my muse so oh, nice. it's just me and her were good but you know people people too <laughs> and so when I'm invited to share poetry somewhere I tend to say yes if it feels in alignment to me yeah. and um, the person I had been collaborating at that time, she's she's since moved away, so we're not collaborating anymore, um, is definitely more musical and, like, wrote some poetry. But we we were really just playing. Yeah. And really, like, let's see what happens if we combine this. So I'm so grateful that that happened to intersect with what you were doing. Now I tend to share poetry more with instrumental musicians kind yeah. of holding the space, not as much vocals, but sometimes. And it, it's it's potent. But it's... I found that, like, anyone who can really tune into that deep frequency of listening. Like we're, cause I, I often improvise poetry yeah. too. Um, yeah. That, or if it's, even if it's a composed piece, we're like listening to the same channel. So like the music will bring out nuances in the words and the words will cause the music to go places. And it's yeah. even more than either of us as individual artists could have done on our own.
0: That's how I write songs as well as I, it tends to start from I'm playing something on the guitar and there's something, in, there's something in the vibration, something in the tonality that's happening. And maybe I've got some mood going on within that day that inspired me to grab the guitar in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I let it happen and i let the chords just sort of go where they want to go. And I start humming, singing something and mm-hmm. words come out that don't make any sense to me. And so I started just like leaving a recorder on mm-hmm. for these moments of just dropping in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny mm-hmm. what all the levels of listening Mean. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that you have a great relationship with your muse.
1: Yeah, I am in such devotion, and I it's 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 built over time for sure. I remember this probably like ten years ago, twelve years ago. I was living in the Bay Area, and people would be like go into like kind of spoken word improvised hip hop, and I would be like. How do you do that? <laughs> um, but I, I have friends uh, mostly here who do improvise, and they kept inviting me and they kept inviting me as so I got to practice improvising. Yeah. And then I realized like so much else it's a skill, yeah, and it's a combination of 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 practice and presence. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm like listening to myself and the space and my muse, I, I I kind of alluded to it in that poem where it's like the the hunter, like I feel like mm. I'm tracking something that already exists and my job is to to catch it and bring it through yeah. as as an offering and it's like my my prayer is both it's, it's also like what I get to receive and what I'm giving back at the same time' is this these words moving through me and I like the poems over when I I got it for that like moment and then it's gone yes. and it's just like okay and the next one yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is,
0: that is fun. It's like a catch and release style of hunting. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to hurt the thing. I just want to. Yeah. I just want to pet it. Oh, poem. Oh, now you're gone. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: I like to think of that. There are times when I've I've created something that feels more like the non-released. Mm. Caught it, squished mm-hmm. it. Oh. Mm. It's dead because I captured it. Sure. I've had I've had moments of creating art yeah. that's like that.
1: And that'll happen too, because anytime we fix something, it. It, it, it is possible for it to lose some of the life. Yeah. And so I think our work as artists is to stay so curious that we need it again, yeah. even if it's a song we've played a hundred times or a painting we've, you know, a theme we've painted on many times.
0: I think that might be the challenge for me in recording. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of re- my stuff recorded because there's something that I do with an audience and with the song that just sort of lives the And it's very challenging for me to figure out how to like, to make it into a, a, a like a one thing, mm. and and partly it's also because I don't have the the flow of a of like people witnessing mm-hmm. and and including you know listening to what the room needs and what the people need and mm. what that what that is that particular day what the song means to me mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I am thinking so I created courting the muse because I had two aspects of myself I was pursuing mm-hmm. that different there's similarities I know that you too have a, a another passion mm-hmm. is it a body work or however you describe mm-hmm. like so yeah.
1: so we met as performers
0: yeah I prefer, I love live performance
1: <laughs> it's, it's the so best thing. you were saying about with your it's a little tangent what you were yeah. saying about with your song how it's like hard for you to record because it's the energy of the room like there are poems and even ways that previously composed poems or like fresh improvised poems have come through uh-huh. that were specifically because of the people in that room, like the the group energy field, creates a really particular frequency that only exists for yeah. those people in that constellation in that moment.
0: I also think it's part of what this instrument is. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm Adrienne. I created Adrienne over the years, <laughs> as I've been calling and and uh, what pulling pulling modeled behaviors from TV shows and movies I've watched or people I've loved. So. We've we've together created an Adrian, and Mm -hmm. but this vessel seems to have the tools that channel well in in groups with audiences, and I think it's part of why it's. I think it's the the oracle archetype.
1: You think? I think that's what I mean. If it's the same thing that I'm experiencing, where it's like I actually I can I can work through some things on my own, but I need. People who are paying attention, like yeah. literally paying, like yeah. that is what they're putting into the space—is yeah. their focus, their attention, right? Um, and that unlocks something in me that seems to only be really accessible, at least in that like deep, super potent way, when I'm in a conversation, we could say, with the group of people. Yeah. Well, I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna stir that up and chew on it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> So this this work you're doing now, I want to hear more about yeah, it. Because yeah, yeah. I think the last time we actually saw each other, I think we just crossed paths on the street. Yeah. and had. A, I think it was like Laurelhurst. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, We're yeah. just wandering and you're like, oh, I'm doing massage and body work. I'm like, yeah. that's amazing. And then we had some deep five minute yeah, drop into <laughs> totally. the center of the earth conversation yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was the last time I saw you that's so, something I've always appreciated about you we've only really hung out a few times but every yeah. time I felt like oh you are real and deep yeah. oh I can be honest with you how refreshing <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true well thank you yeah, yeah.
1: you as well thank you yeah. so I'd
0: love to hear more um, about yeah, that journey so my,
1: my, the umbrella for my work um, it, the, the name is new I'm still like seeding it out there but it's <laughs> the, the body poetic mm. and I shine light where Words and the body meet. Mm-hmm. So it's massage therapy. Um, it's movement education. I've been I've taught yoga for fifteen years now, and then I became a massage therapist about two years ago. And wanting to work more and more with individuals, and also really being able to support people's greater physical health and transformation of postural imbalance and transformation of chronic pain mm-hmm. over time, which I can do with body work and a work that's a little different than than yoga, movement education. But they they serve each other. Yeah. And creativity coaching, because um, I've been an artist since I was a child in one form or another. Even though I didn't, I couldn't call myself that for years. Yeah, I was. I had friends who would call me a poet. Right. Um. This was maybe ten or fifteen years ago, and it took like year, two or three years of that for me to finally like be like, oh, I can, I can say that. Yeah. I can. Cl- I can. I can let myself be that. And knowing that I already was, but I, I mean, self-worth stuff and just the what we're taught is like the lie that art or that beauty or luxuries, rather than human necessities. Right. And that it's actually like the role of the artist is as vital in some ways I perceive right. as most other professions in the. <laughs> and i was like, I won't touch the mic. I'm touching the mic. Um, <laughs> as um, as other professions, mm-hmm. and for me, this this tangents into the idea that that art is healthcare. And I right. think that everything that I do, it, like, they, like I don't, I don't need the AMA coming after me. I'm not making any claims that I can diagnose or treat any illness. But the, <laughs> um, everything that I do, in some way, is treating or bringing bringing attention to the places of healing within the body, mind, or spirit, and how those overlap. Right. So I've had the the most success over time with people who we do some body work, but we're also, there's some energy work where we're looking at like, what is the pattern that you're holding onto in your energy body that maybe is contributing or at least correlated with this physical thing that you've got going on? Or um, I have another person that I'm working with now who's just transitioning out of her her corporate job and Mm -hmm. she is finding that for like her physical practice is dance and that that is really supporting her. And then on my end, I'm offering creativity coaching as a way of enticing that which she already is you yeah. know as people called me a poet and then i was finally like oh okay this is what people see in me it's actually true yes. for me i get right. to claim it now yeah. like i'm my work is to like look for that thing in people that like know that that here mirror here yeah. here's that thing and then provide some of the tools that i've cultivated or gotten to practice with or just or made myself or found have been effective that other people have made to share with them and the consistency of, I'm going to see you in a week, so you're going to actually do your daily practice now, right? Because yeah. you're going to see me and, and be like, oh, wait, that thing you just said, do you, do you know what you just said? Like, oh, that's a whole world that can open up for you or like maybe get them to try a painting if it terrifies them or right. just like push those edges enough. And that the, I the hope, the idea that by the time people stop working with me months or years or whatever, weeks, whatever down the road, they're feeling healthier, more connected in their body. We've at least gotten to understand the root cause of a physical challenge they're having, even if we haven't been able to fully treat it, we at least understand and they have some tools to work with. And they're more in touch with their their suchness, their like wild, natural, creative being and have the tools and permission and support to express that. And I, I think of the um, the Carl Carl, Carl Jung, um, who's like the progenitor of modern psychology yes. and archetypes and dream work, yes. and um, so much of our understanding of Western psychology comes from him right now. And um, the the paraphrase of the quote is: If you give birth to the genius inside you, that genius will liberate you. If you do not give to the birth, if you do not give birth to the genius inside you, that will destroy you. Yeah. And it's the gift and the challenge of being human is that we have to create. Yes. And it's been twisted by capitalism and we've been told that, you know, you it's a you can't make money at it or all these other right. things. But the truth is, like, we are designed to create. That's what we give back to life. Right. And it's how we maintain our own health and well-being. Whatever it is, creation could look like making cars for you, but sure. um, that you are in that flow of your own innate inspiration and allowing that to move through. So my hope is that people leave feeling healthier in their bodies, minds, and spirits and creatively expressed after working with me.
0: Heck yeah. Well, and there's so many different like things that like popped up in my mind and spitting a little. <laughs> and maybe I should turn my, I turned my vibrate on for you when you were arriving and now it's, okay. oh. So I keep thinking about how you know, earlier we sang before we spoke and mm-hmm. we are storytellers, our DNA. We, we pass along mythologies and we pass along how to be people, how to be humans through stories that we used to tell through dance and there were drums that communicated and we Mm -hmm. created instruments and there was there's for some reason this animal that we are Mm -hmm. needs to make things tangible and beautiful (laughs) the way that we used to cook with and for each other Mm -hmm. making food beautiful leaving remnants of like i was here carving things in trees or writing Mm -hmm. things and drawing things on Mm -hmm. caves
1: i keep joking and that's all that's all creatures yeah they do that all creatures. M- m- I wouldn't say not every single creature, but um, like birds make nests. Yeah. And how how often is a bird's nest actually beautiful? Like we think of them as just utilitarian or like they're trying to attract their mate, but even sure. like m- the male birds of so many species are beautiful, and there's a procreative aspect of that. But there's right. also, and I'm, this is a new understanding for me, so I'm like like really excited to share, is <laughs> um, that beauty is a value. In nature, I think I also alluded to this mm-hmm. earlier, like, and it feels like such a thing to disentangle for us because we've been taught that beauty is a luxury or something you think of afterwards, and so we have a lot of like really gray buildings and 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 children's schools that are all just like gray brick and uninspiring, but like color, form, um, how things fit together, yeah. spiral geometry, like all of that is actually. Like, beauty is valuable in and of itself. There's
0: also an evolutionary
1: paradigm where the the
0: things that's considered luxury of creating beauty, like the, a friend of mine was telling me about the peacock's feathers. Mm. One of the reasons why the peacock's, the peacock's feathers has no use. Mm. It actually makes the peacock slower to have such a majestic and full flock, you know, feathers full of thing but it's it's indicates a level of like high sexiness mm-hmm. i don't even need to be fast because look at what beauty i create it's kind of it's like a showing of one's value that that actually has to do a little bit with like procreation too mm-hmm. also i just read something that said that about spiders webs mm. being not just utilitarian but also part of how that they sense Mm. things and like uh, they, they sit so they on feel, the so web. They feel the vibration. They feel, feel the, the w- vibration yeah. and such. And I'm thinking like w- we're all such expressive mm. creatures and part of it is, is potentially to
1: draw in our people
0: how we oh, explore oh, and express cuz we
1: feel each other through the web. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah cuz if I see your art, then I know your soul, and then I know like, oh, you're I'm safe with you cuz we're kindred yeah. cuz my my like web and your web or f- resonate together. Yeah. <laughs> and That's why are these shoes. Really, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. how we pick. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> I'm feeling it through the web. Yeah. Which is yeah. hilarious cuz mm. we're on the
1: web. Yeah. <laughs> and if everything is actually frequency and vibration, then and I I feel this strongly with mm-hmm. as part of the potency of poetry, is that we are sending out um, refined vibration as part of co-creation of our reality, then our art we put out is, it is a web in a way. It is yeah. like shaping reality in a particular way, be it a, a painting or a poem or a song or something. And so yeah. it, it really does, like every person that sees it, every person that hear it hears it is affected by it. And so, yeah, that's such a beautiful metaphor. That is going in a poem.
0: Yeah. And it's (laughs) part of furthering our lineage, not just of like attracting people in Mm -hmm. to maybe make other people with them, but it's furthering the stories Mm. of, so similar as Imagination
1: procreation.
0: That, yes. Well, and and, uh, so a lot of stuff is being, a lot of science is proving that we store traumas in our DNA. I think we also, since we didn't have books that we could write, we store like, don't eat that plant, run away from this animal, here's how you know what season it is by smelling the wind, here's how you know that people are coming and it's scary by like feeling, like that we, mis- like some of the art that that we can translate forward helps people understand how to human uh, with with greater ease or it's, it's way, I don't know if this is true, but I met some really like audio-obsessed people at a hypnosis conference, mm-hmm. and they were saying that they've discovered that they can still, th- like, measure and, and the, the remnants of audio that existed in any particular space. So theoretically, what? say if Jesus existed, this was their example they gave it. Yeah. If Jesus existed and he gave a speech, was, was he on the mount? Someone was on the mount. He's somewhere. He was giving a speech somewhere. You could probably find the waveforms of what he said because it's still sort of mapped there or, or remains there It somehow. got recorded
1: by the air. By the
0: air or the landscape or the things what? that are there. What? I love the idea of that <laughs> and I have no idea. I have not like followed through on the science well, of it. Well, because sound waves travel.
1: hmm And so, then they reflect off of things. Right. And I they must
0: leave some sort of... Like a trace.
1: Perhaps. I mean, that's a technological wonder if we're able to reconstruct
0: that Yeah, but it's also
1: somewhat scarier to
0: think that, like, let's say we discover that and we can make that happen. If the walls could talk. (laughs) The walls could (laughs) talk. Apparently they can, (laughs) (laughs) according to these people. We just need the right device to hear them. And then combine that with, like, AI creating language. Oh. Like, like... I don't know when that's going to
1: well, happen. Well this, this this to me this sounds like another ca- um uh invitation I will say for our like our morality and our empathy to right. catch up with our technology.
0: Yeah, I always I actually in as much as I pray, sometimes I like pray pray like on the knees <laughs> doing it and sometimes <laughs> I just have wishes in my head for things. I'm hoping in the sense of like Morality and technology mm-hmm. landing together mm-hmm. in in that space, mm-hmm. but also specifically in the idea that we're theoretically going to attempt to put our consciousness into androids somehow. Yeah,
1: and it's like, well, so
0: but science the body fiction is the has brain. been warning
1: us for a long time. Yes. <laughs> but,
0: but there's there's more there's like more brain than my brain.
1: Yeah, trying to put there's my the, brain as... there's the, what we know of the enteric nervous system which is like the gut brain mm-hmm. and then there's the the fossil network mm. so there's there there are intelligent neurons in every membrane every like in between every cell basically the space between is filled with intelligence yeah and so if we're just putting it's, it's really like gun to a baby kind of oh. <laughs> kind of analogy right you know like the level of like what we're not able to What we don't know that we don't know. Yeah. Then to give that kind of power. I don't know.
0: I think it's rough. There was a really there was a movie Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. I think it was based on uh graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling the graphic novels talked about what happens when you remove a brain and put it into like you keep taking pieces of humans off and Mm -hmm. what happens to humanity Mm -hmm. and what does that mean. And it's one of these movies with scarlett johansson and i have a particular bent where i just i don't think she's great at leading movies Mm. and it's one of those instances where the movie fights itself Mm -hmm. that the story it's trying to tell is a compelling story about what what how humanity is lost as we keep replacing body parts and Mm. thinking that we can just take a brain and a consciousness and put it into like a brain and a soul in an android Mm -hmm. the problem is there's no one to relate to in the movie. So I think the movie fails in that you can't, you can't relate to anyone in the story to tell the story about how humanity is lost because there's no humanness mm-hmm. in the movie. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like eating its own tail, trying to, yeah, This is a tool. <laughs> so watch the movie, don't watch the movie. But it, it, it has me wondering about how, how do we begin to now honor bodies mm. and art and creativity that is not something
1: and I feel like that's key I I wish I remember the, the person's name but a few years ago I heard the phrase um, dissociation is one of the ways that colonization keeps us under control mm. um, being dissociated from our bodies yeah and it, I feel like re-embodying. Is a primary, like, super important aspect of reclaiming our sovereignty and shifting out of the state that we're in. Like, so much of what we're inheriting is a lot of traumatized people operating out of fear, which just creates this whole like illusory, illusion, um, like hall of mirrors kind of reality where everyone is, is evil, mm-hmm. and I have to, I have to take care of myself and my family at any expense. rather than we are interconnected, interdependent beings and we live within a web and I need to like have, like being able to have the empathy to feel for someone who looks different from me, lives in a different part of the world. That selfish kind of trauma-based overprotection, fear-based way of being has, I think, in great part, led to where we are today where we're running out of resources and we have so much plastic and there are a lot of people who don't know how to help.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny because you're talking about the... The price of colonization. I, I often think about cycles of like thousand year cycles. Around the 1500s, we've got the prioritization in philosophy of I think, therefore I am. <laughs> so the prioritization of mental and scientific process that, that runs, runs its train through sci- like science, figuring out how medicine works, and disconnecting. The, you know, you've got still people confused about bodies and being more terrified of somehow being more terrified of esoteric practices mm. and then you've i don't know if our bodies how quickly we were able to go meet so some people who are so completely different mm. and take in that information not value mm. it we were we're starting to figure out how science and rational thought these other things and prioritizing that which leads to technological advances like the mm. industrial you know of the 1800s and stuff but i'm thinking about how how being disconnected from our own our own lands mm. as as we're traveling and spreading out, like being connected with so many people that are from like it's not just from other lands, but like literally the viruses and the bacteria mm. that you're used to having in your gut because you're walking around and th- like like transporting ourselves. It seems stupid to say like other other worlds, mm-hmm. but it really it really is that. And how do you how do you ingest? Because your system's not designed for the space you ended up in mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. and how and so there's there's landscape that's that's to be dealt with there's different philosophies and languages yeah. to be dealt
1: with. there's completely different facial expressions and what those mean well and we we humanity survived is the way that we have and have you know altered the face of the planet because of our adaptability sure um and i feel like the part of the the shift that we get to be in is from going somewhere as a colonizer where you go, I'm going to take my viruses quite literally and my mental constructs and all of this and impose this onto somewhere where I go and try to make it comfortable for me versus going with the curiosity of an explorer or a a diplomat or someone seeking relationship. I'm going to go and, and notice what's already here. and interact in a way that invites connection and and Mm -hmm. mutual exchange rather than taking and controlling. And it's
0: sort of interesting the difference of like what's created in all those spaces that were like trading ports and trading areas and Mm -hmm. how that's different from, I don't know a heck of a lot about history, but I I love thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in the car the other day because I drive lifts now, because it's fun to get out of my house. Being an entrepreneur is ch- challenging.
1: <laughs> so, I don't know anything about that.
0: <laughs> being an artist and an entrepreneur, trying to balance that like introversion, alone time create with, oh my gosh, I forgot how to talk to people. <laughs> okay. So I've been driving Lyfts to sort of remedy that. Yeah. And I met someone who's from Brazil, and she speaks, I think, three or four different languages. And she was talking about how she, when she... She's been in the U.S. for about seven years, Mm -hmm. and she had been trying to work with a therapist from Brazil who speaks Portuguese, and Mm -hmm. she kept having the hardest time trying to translate in her own head her experiences to talk to a therapist to then help her problems, because she was having English problems.
1: Oh, (laughs) And so they couldn't. Oh, the could concepts e- don't exist in Portuguese. Well,
0: or her experience didn't exist in Portuguese because con- the she was having she was speaking English when she was when when she was having the interactions that mm. caused challenges for her. Wow. They were framed in her brain in English, mm. so she needed to find an English-speaking therapist to work on her English problems. And then when she goes home and she's dealing with people and she's speaking Portuguese with her family members and such, then she needs to to process and because she's experiencing it in the part of her brain that's doing Portuguese. And it was just driving me beautifully crazy because when you're talking about poetry and, and language and words, shaping experience, the stuff I'm trained in, is how you can utilize your own language to change your reality mm-hmm. and how you can move around pictures and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. I, th- I wanted to share that with you. Thank this you. Yeah, fascinating.
1: Yeah, um, I, I really appreciate that that perspective. I, I definitely agree with it because we, like, I feel like it's a relationship between our thoughts and our words and our words and our thoughts. And when we say something often enough, we believe it. Yeah. When we're told something often enough, we believe it. It's how both the beauty of being able to learn a new skill and the challenge of being able to be, you know, brainwashed or something is that our the sound affects our vibrational reality. We're right. made of we made of yeah. you know frequency and particles and and so um to be able to I think the, the colloquial term is hack that <laughs> yes, yes, <yeah. laughs> um, for 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 positive change, you know, for for growth. I know that. I'm not sure if you said this, and I used to help people like transform addiction through that. Yeah,
0: one. I'm. I did. quit smoking as a specialty, <laughs> and I often can also help people shift patterns of trauma mm. and how they hold it. Mm-hmm. I, and it's usually that I'm usually working with people who are artists, creatives, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Who found they have a goal or they have a way that they want their life to feel, and it's not feeling that way. So a lot of times I'm working with entrepreneurs, and it turns out that one of the things that's affecting their business and their ability to to express themselves is some sort of past trauma. (laughs) And so we come upon it and then we release it and shift it and move it. Uh, somebody was the weird spin is somebody was having challenges in their business. They had a, a thing they wanted to do in business, and it turns out that the the wound and the hurt was actually in relationships. So we did a breakthrough Mm -hmm. session around relationships Mm -hmm. and we were able to find that a strategy that worked effectively in business wasn't working in relationships. And it had to do with, with some modeling that was positive, Mm -hmm. some idea from a grandfather that uh, you have to prove your worth, Mm -hmm. which works great. Having that as a it's a it's a positive affirmation and value it seems. Mm-hmm. But when it gets twisted on the inside, mm-hmm. you have to prove your worth means that you're probably going to do extra stuff in the workplace and and get rewarded for it. But in a relationship, how do you prove your worth if you want to just walk over and meet somebody you don't know at a bar and you like so it like stops. Well, and
1: if you if you feel like I I am challenged by the a sense of like low self worth that I work through and try to be kind with and the anxiety that I'm not enough and those right. things which are a core wound for a lot of people and I've analyzed it a lot and I'm still you know disentangling it for myself sure. and hearing that for me like that definitely activates that part of me that's like. Oh, I'm not worthy. Right. Yeah. I'm not so already. If you're not already. Yeah. Exactly. If you're, if that is a place of wounding for you, then of course you're gonna. That person is gonna show up with like, like a, a trauma response of yeah. like, oh, okay, I've got to work harder than everyone else so that they know that I'm worthy. Okay. And to what be if, in this
0: room and, and I can't what walk does that, over that even say hello? mean? Like, are yeah. we inherently
1: worthy? And so I'm sure that grandparent meant well.
0: Totally. And
1: it's funny how a lot of positive
0: things end up being spun in a different direction. Yeah because of life experience well
1: and that and what did what did the inter, what energy did that grandparent have who would probably grow up in the depression era absolutely and like that you prove your worth or you die which so right. that's its own trauma response like so it's definitely mm-hmm. like inheriting all of this intergenerational stuff is it's yeah. good work
0: <laughs> well and what i've come to discover is my
1: tools work incredibly
0: well mm. for most people and what's really really important and vital is to then so I think the metaphor I tell is imagine that you were 13 and you're at like a school dance and your friend next to you like flips their hair in a particular way and then someone comes over and asks them to dance. So I'm like, oh, cool. All I have to do is just like flip my hair and then somebody's going to want to dance with me. So I talk about this as... When we're younger, we come up with really great, brilliant strategies for getting what we want. And what ends up happening is you come to see me when you find out that the strategy isn't actually working, it's based on some sort of belief or choice. So you come to someone like me and I can help you delete the belief and install a new strategy. Cause you find like, you know, fifteen years later you're still flipping your hair, but you don't have that same hairstyle. <laughs> so you come to me to stop flipping your your hair mm-hmm. and and install or you know, like delete old strategies to install new strategy and, and then they come to someone like you, Naima, mm. to then work out how they've been cricking their neck for fifteen years. Right, right exactly. Right, that's okay. So yeah. oftentimes you can go in either direction. You can work with a body worker and they can unwind mm-hmm. the patterns as they're as they're in your party mm-hmm. and then you're fi- you're walking into the world in new ways and your chemistry shifts. Or you go mental, emotional, which is what I deal in, mm-hmm. and then support the changes that you made mm-hmm. with
1: body work. Yeah. I love yeah. the the intersection of, of uh, those. yeah, and I think it's I think it's both. Like um, some some people, the body is enough because they've been so mental and emotional for so long. Yes. Yeah, um, most people, because our world is so mental, intellectualized, we're staring at screens all day. Are some have some degree of disembodiment. Yes. So f- there are some people who just the cognitive work is plenty for, but mm-hmm. most people need some kind of embodiment support, which could look like dance, or it could look like hiking, totally. tour, or a sport, or, totally. or, or body work. But it's like, it's the, because we're not single dimensional beings. We're multi-dimensional beings. We are mind, body, spirit, emotion, all of it. And so to heal, we need to be addressing all of it. Absolutely. When I think creative body, <clears throat> is
0: a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brene Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert, mm-hmm. I think it's Magic Lessons, the episode with, so Elizabeth Gilbert wrote Big Magic, which mm-hmm. is a, a, it's like a permission slip and giant book full of why be creative. Mm-hmm. Everybody is creative. and Go do it. Go be creative. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful piece. I don't know if you've read it. I haven't yet, but thanks oh, for mentioning so it. <laughs> she did a podcast about it mm-hmm. and invited Brene Brown on it. And she, they, they both talk about how m- a lot of traumas and woundings are around creativity mm-hmm. in our culture mm-hmm. uh, and i i think that's true i think that there's some sort of the creativity in itself that relationship is its own body i don't know how to describe it it's well, just it's my our, sense it's
1: our, it's what i i perceive it's our greatest gift as humanity and it's our like our role so if trees exist to gather carbon dioxide and turn into oxygen and hold the ground together through the mycorrhizal and communicate to other parts of the forest and bees exist to pollinate, humans exist to create art. It is our place within the universal design. It is how we reflect life back to itself through beauty. This is my. Uh, this is one of my foundational principles of my understanding of life. Yeah. Um, and it's so powerful that traumatized people who are trying to control people can in interrupted that like interjected yeah. into that and said like and found many different strategies over the years of sex is evil yes. sex is one of our primary creative thing you know yes. original sin the feminine creative principle is evil um or now it's more like capitalism, which is, you know, for many people, modern God. Right. It's, um, oh, only like artists can't make money or only specialized, you know, very particular kinds of art. Like what is the art that ends up in museums? See? Sure, sure. Like very specific yeah. kinds of things can be art. And interrupting that understanding, that the, the truth, in my opinion, yeah. um, of our natural creative essence or being. Um and that, that we, what we get to do now is everyone, whatever the medium is, reclaiming that. That's why I call the suchness, the like the yeah. natural, wild, true expression of self as part of our collective healing because people who are creatively expressed are much harder to control. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're, well, yes. you're good, you're good, oh, you're good, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it it's, <laughs> well, gets super geeky and excited
0: about it because that's what I'm attempting to do here. Mm-hmm. Is do a kind of um, showing us, our usness.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I kept finding myself having such beautiful conversations for five minutes in a park <laughs> with, with people or going to coffee with other entrepreneurs and creatives and dropping down. And I was like, no, people need to see that this is the truth of us. Yeah. That being able to have an earnest and organic conversation and exploring the, the liveness <laughs> of living in uh, our full expression, that's the stuff. That's and we have so much leaf. wisdom to share with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I am doing this thing of paying attention to the time. Yes. And paying attention to, in this new format of being live, wanting it to be as, as impactful and condensed as possible. Great. So also because of wanting to be like honor my laziness to go do other things, uh-huh. like create art, Great. I came up with this bit that so that we know which part to edit. <laughs> 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 um, the show's called From the Hip. And I wanted to do some sort of like a rapid fire moment. Hey, CJ, can you bring our? So I, I was like, how do we how do we create something that still has freedom? Uh huh. Thank you. Uh, allows for uh-huh. freedom and spontaneity, uh-huh. which is what I wanted. Okay. Just capture earnestness, uh, but also might be punchy enough for social media clips. Oh. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, creativity okay. comes from some kind of constraints. Yeah. Which includes time
1: and editing so you need a frame to paint or a canvas to paint on but yeah yeah
0: i'm gonna pull one of these i'm gonna ask you and then we'll just sort of go back and forth for a few okay oh i love this (laughs) if you were famous what would you be famous for
1: Oh. oh i love this question because when i was just thinking about this the other day when i was in college for theater I heard myself say I wanted to be as famous as Madonna. And now I know I want nothing like that. Um, what I would love was the respect of the arts community. Oh, yeah. So I would love to be famous as a poet nice. um, and as an, as an educator. And at the end of my life, have it be that people are like, oh, she contributed something really meaningful to this field.
0: Oh, hell yeah,
1: Yeah, I love it. Okay, yeah. you ready? Yeah. Oh, Will you grab one for me? Okay. 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 Same theme. Have you ever been told you look like someone famous? Oh,
0: my gosh. Who was it? This is so great. So there's an episode with another actor in town, Ithaca Tell. Mm. And I forgot to post that before this is up. So we'll post it. But we were geeking out about how we get confused for other people. Mm. And swear to you, we probably get confused for each other in town. So just so you know. (laughs) Naima. And Adrienne. <laughs> Similar shaped hair. Yeah. It's also, not everybody it's also kind of bouncy, but different. Not everybody different. sees facial features. It's hard. So <laughs> I when I uh, about fifteen years ago people thought that I looked a lot like the kid from high school musical. Most often I get confused for for Tracy Chat-
1: Chapman. No.
0: <laughs> well, maybe when I was younger people said I at least sounded like her when I sang I don't. Um, Tr- Tracy who's in rent. The Woman in Rent. Oh, I oh. I forget her last name sure. right now. I remember, yeah, I I about. literally went to a yoga studio, and somebody said, oh, are you a singer? And I was like, I am a singer. And I'm like <laughs> thinking that they saw one of my recent performances or <laughs> yeah. something, and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm sure you get this all the time. Like, I'm just so excited that you're here, because she thought I was that woman. Huh. Tracy, whatever her name is. And then locally, I get confused for Lava I don't know, if that's actually how she says her last name. But she's a director and photographer and mm-hmm. actress here in town, so... <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Tracy from Rent, whatever your last name is. Okay, if you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be?
1: Oh, bring back a fashion trend. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I kind of like uh, most modern clothes and see from my cool elven. That's what, that's what it would be. Uh-huh. I, el, like elven isn't really a historical trend. It's more of a fantasy trend, but I'll say it counts. With, like, like if I could actually have an elven cloak that was like waterproof and had the hood and the like the pointy thing and the like the magical silver metal clasp and like flow down and then. Not so much corsets because I don't want whale bones, yeah. but that kind of like like fitted, but then flowing yeah. and like soft natural materials in rich, vibrant colors, and I like, can see you in that. Blows in the wind a little bit, like yeah. perfect. Yeah, that might be on Wish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the like app. polyester made in China version, but sure. <laughs> no, I'll find an artist to like make me one. Perfect. Do to do ha. If you could change places with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Oh,
0: I would love to guest host for Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, oh, oh. yeah.
1: Who would you want to interview?
0: I don't know why Jennifer Aniston popped up, but probably because she guest hosts for Ellen. Who would I want to interview on Ellen? Oh, Ryan Reynolds. I would oh. love to play with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, he's so much fun. Is he? Just what I've seen. He looks yeah. like, yeah. Mm, is there anyone else? Robert Downey Jr. Mm. I love. Mm-hmm. 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 I would want to hang out with Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm. Pretending yeah. to be Ellen. Maybe do like some weird... Oh, oh shoot. Do I want to be Ellen or do I want to be that guy that gets to do all those weird songs with people? <laughs> Who's that guy? The comedian who can't keep a straight face during skits.
1: I don't, I don't know I, really I, know. I know who Ellen is. Yes,
0: okay. <laughs> well, I, I just want to like do a, the thing where uh, Liz Gilbert and I get to like Like, sing bits of karaoke. Oh my god, that'd
1: be amazing. Yeah, I would love to just be able to. I know Brene is and Liz to a certain extent are both introverts, and I would love to like have an organic situation where I could have a conversation with them and they weren't feeling like I wasn't super weird, awkward fangirl and they weren't like, Oh, I have to talk to another fangirl. Like, if we could just be (laughs) humans together in a room, yeah, I would love that, especially with Brene. She's like, But, yeah.
0: I think that, I think so many people have that specific desire that (laughs) the two of them really could do their own show. Yeah. That just, it lets us feel like we're hanging out with them. (laughs) Right, right, totally, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Do it! (laughs) Okay, I think this might be the final. If you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you choose to
1: be? Oh, I would be a jaguar in a perfectly intact rainforest, and I would lie on a branch all day and like, like my (laughs) paw (laughs) and then punt and Arr. And, but most of the time I would like play and line the dappled sunlight. Oh,
0: dappled sun is the best.
1: Yeah. I love it. Maybe we should end with yours.
0: So you're my guest. This one's so good. Oh, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for playing with us. Hi, Kitty. My foot. You don't think you can see her? Thanks for being here. We're going to audition. How the heck we do this outro? Uh, Things are probably happening. Naima, I just a pleasure (laughs) to get to spend time with you. I look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, me too. Okay, thank you. And thanks for joining us. We'll we'll see you a different time than now. (laughs) Well, that's how that went. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on this episode. Thanks for watching, listening, I don't know, reading, inviting, however you took this in. Thanks for being here. And if you really enjoyed it, I'd I'd love it if you would do all of the things. uh, Like, share, I don't know, ring a bell, bang a gong, tell a friend, and come back next time. I hope you had as much fun as I did.